honest, passionate, and doesn't pull any punches. It's Paladino Joey on the Purple Mafia Show, here on thesportstuff.com. Welcome to the family here on Purple Mafia. I am your host, Paladino Joey, or Joey Awijin. Purple Mafia is available on thesportstuff.com and on iTunes. I thank each and every one of you always for downloading and listening to this show. Yeah, well, now I guess that's kind of like the semi-permanent intro. Though, of course, the fact that this show changes all the time. There's dynamics to it (laughs) here and there. Who knows? But for now, that's going to be the intro. So, there you go. (laughs) <laughs> gotta gotta go with what we what we can and what's the what's popular I suppose for the time being. Minnesota Vikings are a little bit more popular after today's game. In fact, I'm getting dyslexia looking at this score: thirty-one to thirteen. Thirty-one to thirteen. Yeah. Uh, well, definitely a more lopsided game than a lot of us expected. I did pick the Vikings to win, but certainly not by as many points as they did win. So, uh, congratulations to the Vikings. Without a doubt, they are now 5-7 and seven on the season, and it does bring a lot of us to even deeper frustration when you think about a couple games earlier in the year, including even last week, where the Vikings could have won the game. The Buffalo game, the Vikings should have won. The Lions game, they were in it for a while. The Bears game, they were definitely in that one, if not for a couple of stupid plays along the way and poor pass protection. But what's new there? Um, yeah, the Vikings very easily could be in playoff contention this season. <laughs> the joke of the matter is how Carolina was in playoff contention with a 3-7-1 and record. So it does tell you that this is another one of those crazy seasons where maybe it, maybe there was a small chance you could have made it. It's just one of those division champion rules, and of course the NFC South sucks big time, and that's uh, helpful for us, I suppose, at this point in time. Vikings took advantage of it, but there was a phenomenon today. An absolute phenomenon. So the title of the show will definitely center around the phenomenon. It's a double block. That's the name of this episode, Double Block. Can you guess why? I'm sure you can. Minnesota Vikings blocked two punts, not one, two punts today. The last time the Minnesota Vikings blocked a single punt in a game was 1986. Holy crap, Batman! And even more amazing, it was about 453 games ago. The last time the Vikings blocked a punt when you add it all together. That's a, a lot of games. Cause this isn't basketball or baseball when you play 82 games in basketball and 162 games in, uh, in, in baseball. This is only a 16-game season. So when you think of four, 453 games, Lord Almighty. So you don't block one, you block two. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. They're actually the first NFL team. To score on two, to score, because by the way, they scored touchdowns on both of them. I might want to mention that, even though you did see it, but still got to mention it for those of you, maybe you didn't see it, or you you were so uh, excited after the game, you kind of forgot maybe certain details. (laughs) But they were the first team to score on two block punts in in the same game since September 30th, 1990, the Chiefs versus the Browns. Yeah, so that's an AFC matchup right there, and that was the current, the old Browns, the really good Browns that were, uh, that are now known as the Baltimore Ravens, and have won two Super Bowls since they moved there. Unfortunately for Cleveland fans, but the Browns are competing, and 
Yeah, there you go. Shout out to Vince Germano, big Browns fan. Also, we both host uh, the Showtime and T-Wolves show, which will be released at some point due to crazy schedules on both sides. Seems like whenever one's ready, the other one isn't, and then the other one's now ready, and then now the other one isn't. So that's what happens. That's why we got to make that cheese, as Vince Germano likes to say. That's uh, money. <laughs> and, of course, overtime money. That's a lot of the reason why uh, schedules are tough, and somehow, some way, I'm able to keep this show going because it's the big show. i got to get this show done. Just got to. And being there's only one game a week, come on now. Get it out, damn it. <laughs> right? Best possible. So, there you go. Quite the phenomenon, without a doubt. That's the theme of today's show, for the most part, is the phenomenon right there. I mean, you get two block punts. Absolutely awesome. you got to like that. But what's also beautiful is the fact that Teddy Bridgewater continues to make baby steps forward. And that's kind of been the theme of this season, I guess. In a lot of ways, we could call it baby steps. The theme of 2014, ever since Teddy Bridgewater had to take over the reins as the starting quarterback of the Minnesota Vikings, which in a lot to a lot of us Viking fans that grew up <laughs> here in Minnesota, that's the dream job that we all wish we had. <laughs> the starting quarterback of the Minnesota Vikings. Ah, wouldn't that be cool? Anyhow, out of dreamland and back to reality, you look at some of these stats and you're just like, what the hell happened here? But it tells you, that's why the theme of the show has to be <laughs> double block, because that's the reason why the Vikings won the game. When you have a phenomenon take place, it changes the outcome of the game most of the time. And if you somehow lose, that's an even bigger phenomenon. Like, how the hell did you lose when you get two block punts for touchdowns? That's 14 points right there on the board. There's no reason why you should lose, and the Vikings absolutely did not. But to the point, the Carolina Panthers had 23 first downs, the Vikings had 12 Total yards, the Carolina Panthers had 348 and 2010. 2010. Two, two, 210 by the Vikings. Yeah, 2010. Ugh. The Carolina Panthers, this is another key stat, but then again, not really, because it was at the end of the game when the game was pretty much over anyway. It was just a final little heave by Cam Cameron Newton, as I like to call him. Only one turnover. The Vikings had zero. Teddy Bridgewater, no interceptions today. Um, but the Panthers, in just about every offensive st- uh, category, were way ahead of the Vikings along the way. Time of possession, the Panthers, 35 minutes, 48 seconds. The Vikings, 24 minutes, 12 seconds. First downs, the Panthers, 23. The Vikings, 12. 12. That's nuts. 12 rushes for first downs for Carolina. 3 for the Vikings, 3. Passes for first, Carolina wins 10-8. to eight. So, I know I'm not just here to sit here and read a box score. It's because looking at these statistics, it's like, geez, you think the Panthers kicked some butt, butt today, but they didn't even come close to kicking butt. And it, it's the whole point here is the fact that phenomenons like this change the outcomes of games. And, well, congratulations, Mike Prefer, on quite the phenomenon indeed. <laughs> Last year we were the victim of a, quite a phenomenon where there were two fake punts, and that cost the Vikings a very close game to the Cleveland Browns in the now aforementioned Metrodome. I wish this thing would stop doing this. It's really irritating. Even though you turn the sound off, they still do it. That's wonderful. But anyhow, uh, look at this. I mean, it's just one stat after another. It's unbelievable. 178 yards rushing for Carolina, 92 for the Vikings. Passing, well, only 118 for the Vikings. Net yards passing, 170 for Carolina. Uh, Cam Newton does not look really good, though. No. An overall very rough game for him. Only 51% completion 
35 attempts, only completed 51%. He had that interception, as mentioned, quarterback rating 65.7. But Teddy Bridgewater, remarkably efficient in very limited, uh, very limited action overall. Completed his first four passes in a very nice opening drive that led the Vikings to a score and a nifty pass to his new favorite receiver, I gotta think. <laughs> that guy is Kyle Rudolph, coming back from injury not too long ago. In fact, just last week. Welcome back. Welcome back. <laughs> Poor Chase Ford. Now he's kind of like out of the picture in a sense. But 120 quarterback rating, basically 121 for Teddy Bridgewater. The offensive line, not as bad. They did give up three sacks, but the two touchdowns for Teddy Bridgewater. Just the efficiency, incredible. About 72% completion percentage, as I mentioned. If if Teddy Bridgewater's a game manager, he's a pretty damn good game manager. <laughs> you got to think. Really happy with the outcome, though, for Teddy in this one. More baby steps, more efficiency, and this was a defense that was pretty well-respected last year, by the way. And yes, they were shell-shocked ultimately in this game for the 99 millionth time. They were shell-shocked twice in this one because you don't like having a blocked punt. I mean, that can really change, that can really screw up the mental wherewithal of your team in a lot of ways. It really can. A lot of heads hanging and such. But no, uh, Teddy Bridgewater... I'll just get to this now because I didn't post it on the Facebook page. I can't believe I didn't do that, actually. <laughs> to get some to, to continue the discussion to the fan interaction, but should talk about it now. Teddy Bridgewater was basically called out, not in a negative way, but he was mentioned that he's probably going to just end up being a good backup, according to Tim Hasselbeck, who was a decent backup in the NFL in his career. Of course, the uh, the brother of Matt Hasselbeck, who had a more successful career in the NFL. I'm not mad at Tim Hasselbeck for his comments. He was saying how Teddy Bridgewater can't really complete deep passes, ultimately, when his receivers are open and such, or even covered, slightly covered. He, he just can't make the play that he needs to make 15, 20 yards down the field. It happened multiple times against Green Bay. It happened against Chicago and such. Interesting points. Interesting points, but yeah, ultimately he's saying... Good quarterbacks can make that play, and Teddy Bridgewater cannot because of his arm strength and such. But ultimately, Bridgewater today, making the most of what he had and very efficient. He plays this way. With more pass attempts, you get a quarterback rating of 120. Teddy Bridgewater can be a very successful quarterback in this league, I do believe, as a starter. But um, again, not angry at Tim Hasselbeck for his statements because... Uh, he, he had a point. I mean, it was interesting. And, you know, Teddy Bridgewater was missing some pretty... Uh, he was missing some pretty open receivers at times down the field due to overthrowing or underthrowing. That's just a lack of mechanics and such, which hopefully can he, he can work on and can improve arm strength. Well, that usually is what it is, but once in a blue moon, a guy can improve his arm strength a little bit with uh, excessive workouts and such and excessive excessive throwing. Provided he doesn't get injured, but again, that's kind of rare. <sighs> but ultimately, yeah, uh, Teddy Bridgewater, I do believe, can work around his limitations because there's a lot of successful quarterbacks in the NFL that did work around their limitations and had awesome to, to Hall of Fame careers in this league. So we shall see. My encouragement with Teddy Bridgewater ultimately is the guy is a gamer. He's incredibly competitive, and that is a really good sign I think a lot of the reason he was so good today was Tim Hasselbeck's comments. I have no information that uh, he had anything to say about them at this point in time. So, 
thought I'd mention that, but you got to think he got word of it at some point, and somewhere in there, in that head of his, that intelligent head of his, <laughs> he was like, all right, you want to question me as a starter? All right, I'll show you. And i got to think that Teddy Bridgewater is going to go out there and have something to prove, despite the fact he already did drop <laughs> 32 spaces in the draft from where he was originally projected. I think the competitiveness in this young man is going to continue to help him be more successful in this league along with the fact he's very intelligent. So he, he is a good learner, and I do think he's got correctable, <laughs> dare I use that word, correctable uh, poor mechanics, we'll say. They looked good today, so there it is. We're going to leave that as is with Teddy Bridgewater for the time being. The running game was what it was because there was no Jarek McKinnon, due to the chagrin of a lot of us. A guy who's continued to develop, and improve. He's eclipsed the 500 yardage mark already, about 538 yards on the season already for Jarek McKinnon. Would have been nice to add to that, maybe even get it up to 600 today. But Matt Asiata was adequate. He had a long of eight, but the thing was, for the most part, Matt Asiata goes forward with his strength, which makes him an elite goal line threat, in my humble opinion. Um, ben Tate, limited action, moved the chains a little bit later in the game, but nothing special. Only five rushes on the day for him and three yards even per carry for Ben Tate. But his first rush of the season was about nine yards for a first down, so we'll take that. <laughs> That's the good news in that sense. But um, the running game kind of is what it is. Matt Asiata is going to be the thunder. Jarek McKinnon will be the lightning, ultimately. Joe Banyard only got to carry the ball twice for just eight yards. Not not bad, but I mean, obviously not enough, not enough of a sample size to really say all too much about him in this game. A lot of us do like him a lot and would like to see him return to this team. In fact, most people in this town, you hear continuously, they would rather see Joe Banyard versus Ben Tate on the roster next season. We will see where things go. I continue to say Adrian Peterson will probably not return, and I'm not going to even get into the case anymore. Um, unless there's some type of big news about it, but it would be brief because it's just it's too it's gotten too political. It's gotten too holier than thou, and it's getting old. So I'm just going to move on from that. Ultimately, the receiving game, though. Oh, boy. Talk about it is what it is. <laughs> Are you guys ready for a return of the urban legend of the week? It's got to come back, and it's, it's here, and it's better stay this time. But it's like I get so locked into the game and the show that I tend to not get to it. And it's, and it's a big mistake on my part, but I'd like to have it on the show on a regular basis. But is there any bigger urban legend for the Minnesota Vikings than Cordero Patterson? <laughs> what the hell is wrong with Cordero Patterson? No one understands it. Now, he missed the first half because he was at a funeral. Now, that's understandable. No one's too mad about that part, the funeral part, but overall, the guy's invisible. You'd think he would have uh, been, you know, he was obviously kept out of the lineup in the first half because of that. That's like the the Zimmer policy, we'll say, and a lot of teams do stuff like that when a player doesn't get enough practice time during the course of the week, but to only get targeted once, and that's it. Zero zero numbers overall. Ah, the guy is just a complete urban legend, and that goes for the last several weeks, for like a making up for the urban legend of the other weeks. That's it, Cordero Patterson. Nothing. A whole lot of nothing. Great. That's wonderful. He did return a kick for 28 yards, to be fair. But that's it. One one kick return for 28 yards. And that's all she wrote there. So, mm. 
Another is-what-it-is moment for Cordero Patterson. I don't know where to go. Greg Jennings uh, continuing to be productive. I really liked what he brought to the Vikings today. And the movie made on Cordero Patterson's second touchdown. Cordero, what am I talking about? Teddy Bridgewater's second touchdown pass. Bridgewater set him up nicely, but Greg Jennings had to break about two tackles to score. And he made a very nice move on the first one. Um, Really impressive. Really liked the way Greg Jennings and... Keep crying to say Cordell Patterson. I don't know why, but Teddy Bridgewater. I like the chemistry those two are forming right now. It's getting better, and that's another beautiful thing. Charles Johnson continuing to be one of the more targeted receivers on the team. Forty-one yards and ended up drawing a kind of drawing a penalty, but it was mostly Norman's fault in Carolina. A horrible, uh, stupid play. My old number twenty-four of the Carolina Panthers, who's apparently got about as big a mouth as Richard Sherman taunting Charles Johnson on what would have been a third a third and long, giving the Vikings a first down. Smart play. Good job. Thank you very much. And that helped the Vikings continue to move forward and ultimately led to a score for Minnesota later in that drive. You got it like that. <laughs> oh, Carolina was just, um, just an overall mess today in a lot of ways. Again, obviously the two punt returns, but their defense... Didn't really have much of a, didn't have all that much of an answer for what Bridgewater was able to dish out, ultimately. And their offense about as inept as ever, like I was talking about earlier. Greg Olson is a decent player. Uh, Kelvin Benjamin dropped an easy one at one point. That had to be unbelievably frustrating (laughs) for them. Uh, I'm pretty much, I'm really surprised to see Carolina drop off as much as they did uh, from last year with their 12-4 and record. Looked like a team that could go all the way to the Super Bowl last year if they were hot at the right time. But unfortunately, there was San Francisco and, <laughs> and Seattle in the NFC that were blocking their path to the Super Bowl. But, um, geez, to see them drop off to where they are today, man, I don't really have any answers ultimately. I don't think losing Captain Munderland is the problem. I, <laughs> I mean, ultimately, it's just a... Is it teams figured them out? Or are they just completely, like... (laughs) Did they get fat and happy, so to speak? Like, they got overconfident coming into the season? Is Cam Newton... Is Cam Newton... Is there a tell on him right now? Really hard to say, but... The Carolina Panthers, overall, a huge struggle this season. Not really sure where to go with them right now. I'm quite surprised. And yes, everybody loses players in free agency, but... Carolina, not sure where to go. Ultimately, Luke quickly with two sacks on Teddy Bridgewater today. So the Vikings offensive line, not great, but a little better. They bended but didn't break as much as they have in the past. Everson Griffin, right now, if I was to say who's the most valuable player of the Minnesota Vikings in 2014, if I was to say like an early prediction on that one, it's Everson Griffin, without a doubt. Without a doubt. He's having an unbelievable season, already totaling Jared Allen's sack totals for last season. With 11 thus far. An unbelievable season for him. And of course he did get the return on Jasper Brinkley's uh, block. And of course the original one was (laughs) Adam Thielen. Who when he did block the punt. He basically laid on the ball and then got up and ran. It was pretty cool. But uh, yeah those are the two guys that actually blocked the punts. But Everson Griffin. That's the MVP of the Vikings as far as I'm concerned. Harrison Smith even recorded a second. Sharif Floyd continuing to develop and get better. And better. Really happy with him right now in a lot of ways. Sharif Floyd, of course, coming back from uh, injury. Missed last week. But, yeah, looked good today. 
the Vikings defense continuing to make great strides in the right direction overall. Even Chad Greenway had a pass deflected today. Linval Joseph with a nice block. That was another thing that was a huge issue with Cam Newton today. Lots of passes blocked along the way. And of course, uh, he got guys like Xavier Rhodes who continue to develop in a huge way. Three passes deflected. Physical, on the ball, all the above. Cam Newton throwing the ball to Xavier Rhodes more often than other quarterbacks have in the past. And it certainly did not prove wise for Cam Newton today. We have a cornerback on the Minnesota Vikings that quarterbacks are afraid to throw to. Wrap your... (laughs) That's a tongue twister in a way, but it is what it is. Um, Beautiful. We actually have a cornerback that opposing passing games are are afraid to throw to, but Cam Newton today tried Xavier Rhodes and got nothing. Got, Got pretty much nowhere. Three passes deflected ultimately. Even Robert Blanton looked good most of the time. Uh, Harrison Smith, probably the worst play of the game, we'll say, was he pretty much let his man go and left Josh Robinson out to dry. Josh Robinson does need to make a play once in a while. That would be nice. And he has made some plays this year. In fact, he did knock down one pass today. But, yeah, left. Uh, that was the most. That was probably the worst play of the game, though. Harrison Smith leaving Josh Robinson out to dry was ultimately led to a deep pass on a fourth and four for Carolina. And it was a touchdown, of course, to Philly Brown, a 32-yard connection. On a fourth and four, the Panthers were like, you know what, (laughs) we have to try something, and they got it on that one play. Harrison Smith definitely got an earful from head coach Mike Zimmer for that one. But um, it's like, if you have to come up with any negatives, I guess that's about it right there. I mean, this was a nice game for the Vikings. It wasn't sexy or anything. Like, nobody on the offense was that great, but... To see Teddy Bridgewater be as efficient as he was, very, very encouraging without a doubt. And the running back to be solid, you know, the running game. To be to put up solid numbers despite the fact not a single one of them ran for 10 yards on a single play today. There was no break-loose play for any of the Vikings running backs. Just overall, solid. A solid effort for this football team, offensively and defensively. Very And, of course, special teams, the, the player of the game in a big way, <laughs> without a doubt. Uh, special teams ruled this football game in a huge way for the Vikings on the defensive side of the ball. So I guess without further ado, we are going to wrap this up before I ramble on and on and on way too much and <sighs> turn this review from being what it is to just too long and, and boring the listeners. So with that... We will end this segment, and we're going to get into my favorite segment, even though this week was fun, but I love the previews and, of course, the NFC North <laughs> NFC North Roundup. I love that segment. We'll be back right after this, and, of course, we will wrap things up in segment number three, where, which will open with a call from Brent Jacobson in the fan interaction. But first, let's get to that segment segment right now. Hey, crisp, cool days and fall colors are upon us. Nothing tastes better this time of year than Zombie Monkey by Tallgrass Beer from Manhattan, Kansas. Zombie Monkey is a robust porter with a lot of amazing flavors that you will love. Don't forget to try 8-Bit Pale Ale, which is the official beer of this podcast. When you see Pac-Man licking his chops, you found an amazing can and an even better beer. Check out the many other wonderful beers Tallgrass offers on their website at www.tallgrassbeer.com. Use their beer locator to see what's available in your area. You can follow Tallgrass on Twitter, at TallgrassMN, and like them on Facebook. 
Just simply search for Tallgrass Minnesota. Tallgrass Beer, bringing people together over a beer since 2007. Too busy to sit in front of a computer? Simply download Purple Mafia on iTunes for Apple devices. For Android, download the Double Twist app. And for Windows and BlackBerry phones, simply find us in the store. And now, back to Paladino Joey. And we are back here on Purple Mafia. It is time for segment number two. That is the NFC North Roundup. And of course, the preview for the New York Jets visiting TCF Bank Stadium where they will freeze their asses off just like the Carolina Panthers. Got to think that was a factor today as well. But, eh, you know, it's probably not the main factor, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> we know what the main factor was. We talked about it already last segment. Let's get on to this segment where we need to be. Thanksgiving Day. Hope you all had a very happy Thanksgiving. The Detroit Lions and uh, Philadelphia Eagles had a happy Thanksgiving. The Chicago Bears and Dallas Cowboys, not so much. Things going very south for them in this case. The Detroit Lions actually a good Thanksgiving team for the first time probably since the early 90s. Though, of course, a couple exceptions along the way. But back in the early 90s, the Lions were pretty damn good. But many, 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 many years. It's like, yay, they host a Thanksgiving game only to get thwarted and watch the other team eat the turkey trophy, whatever they call it. And uh, rock and roll. (laughs) Yeah, Chicago, Detroit. Back in years past, you'd see Chicago go into Detroit and... Get the job done. Not the case this time. The Bears are now tied with the Vikings for last place, but they pulled the tiebreaker until the end of the season, until the Vikings uh, hopefully win in TCF Bank Stadium to wrap up the regular season at that point in time. Detroit Lions, though. Yeah, this won't be... The the, the Detroit Lions, I do believe they will advance into the postseason. They won't have to be watching everybody else at the end of the regular season. Unlike Chicago, 8-4 record, 34-17, an absolute ass-kicking for the Detroit Lions, and of course this again shrinks down this uh, segment uh, a touch. It makes it a little bit easier because both teams are right here. At the end of the day, you come out of this game, the Bears look like crap, and the Lions look awesome. Jay Cutler, does he care? I I don't know. I I guess he cares enough to, uh, I guess he cares enough that he's making a nice paycheck, I guess. Uh, After that, I don't know. Post-game interviews or post-game press conference, whatever that good stuff is. Jay Cutler couldn't have been less uh, interesting. Couldn't have sounded less interested after the game. He's like, basically, when he's talking about Brandon Marshall, he's basically just like a... Brandon, well, he dropped a couple passes, uh, but uh, he's a good player. Just kind of like... I don't even know. I mean, the guy has no passion whatsoever. Feel for you, Bears fans. I really do, including Dylan Richardson the uh, executive producer of the sportsstuff.com and a, a guy who would like to get, I'd like to get back on this show again. Damn it. Maybe for the uh, regular season wrap up, I probably should. That'd be a good idea. Uh, we'll see what happens there. But for right now, Detroit Lions fans continuing, continuing to celebrate, but unfortunately for them, they will continue to be in second place for the time being, unless Green Bay actually loses the game again. That'd be nice. But the Lions rolled all over the bears in each and every way. Except for third down efficiency. They're both 5 of 12. Uh, Matthew Stafford, extremely efficient. A uh, good Carson Palmer type effort. Because I'm kind of comparing him to Carson Palmer in a way with his inconsistencies and such. Cutler, not so much. Two touchdowns, two interceptions. That's like the negative Carson Palmer. His accuracy was up, but his overall efficiency, his overall rating, not so great. Man, Matthew Stafford, 116 
man, even though he lost, and he even lost a fumble in the game, but almost 400 yards, huge day for him, 76% completion percentage. The Bears' defense really sucks. Uh, Martellus Bennett for the Bears, obviously, was probably their best player in the game, but along with Alshon Jeffrey. But overall, Kelvin Johnson's back, and it shows Golden Tate and Kelvin Johnson. Man, it's a nice combination. Now that Kelvin Johnson's finally healthy, the Detroit Lions, they're ready to roll. You got that amazing defensive line, but now you have Kelvin Johnson healthy. Watch out. This is going to be a deadly team in the playoffs. 150 yards just about, 146 officially. Two touchdowns for Kelvin Johnson, 11 catches. Golden Tate, one of the best slot receivers in football. Eight catches, targeted 10 times. And 89 yards on the day. Unbelievable. And a guy like Brandon Credigrew continuing to kind of fall deeper and deeper in the passing games in the passing game plan of Detroit, unfortunately for him. But man, oh man, a unbelievable effort by the Detroit Lions, romping all over the Bears and no Reggie Bush in this one. Man, and Joyke Bell representing in a huge way. 91 yards, two touchdowns, 4.0 a carry. That's going to get it done. You have a great defense, a good running game, a quarterback that, uh, well, he's going to put up really damn good numbers when you have a healthy Kelvin Johnson, the best receiver in football. The Detroit Lions, folks, they might just they just might be a team that could go pretty far this year. Possibly NFC Championship game range, if unless the Philadelphia Eagles have something to say about it. And but unfortunately, the other team, <laughs> they just might win the NFC. That's that other team that uh, just finished playing against the New England Patriots. They might even, uh, I, I, no, I, I, I can't say it. I, no, they but they might. They might. Uh, they beat the New England Patriots today in Lambeau Field. Yeah, it really sucks, actually. Can't stand it. I can't stand on saying it. 26-21, the Green Bay Packers beat the New England Patriots. They are now tied at 9-3 and apiece. And Green Bay right now is atop the power rankings of football because they just beat the New England Patriots. The other 9-3 and team is the... Uh, Arizona Cardinals. Oh, I can't believe him. Can't believe him saying this, but it really sucks. Yeah, but it, but it is what it is. You gotta say it. The Green Bay Packers are pro- probably the best team in football right now. I gotta think they're better than Denver. Aaron Rodgers just making it look easy again. Tom Brady also, though, to be fair, pretty even, pretty evenly matched here in this one. Both of them a completion percentage right at sixty-three. <laughs> Both of them attempted thirty. Well. Mid-30s passes, but Aaron Rodgers much more yards. Overall, just uh, more weapons, I suppose, for Aaron Rodgers versus Tom Brady. And the fact Rodgers is actually even a little bit more on fire than Tom Brady, even though Brady is playing out of his mind again after people were saying, Is he done? Is he done? Is it time for him to step away? Yeah, Tom Brady, step away. Yeah, right. Uh, LeGarrette Brunt, blunt, very efficient in this one, but unfortunately the Patriots were playing from behind and they couldn't get the job done. And the Patriots' defense could not stop the Packers when it mattered most. The Packers were able to run the clock out just like against the Vikings with that key third-down reception from... Oh, I hated it, but it is what it is. A <laughs> key third-down reception from Aaron Rodgers to Cobb. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, Randall Cobb, that is. But, you know, uh, unbelievable Devontae Adams breaking loose in this one in a huge way. 11 catches, a 45-yard uh, long for the day. 121 yards for Devante Adams. Jordy Nelson is another solid game. Could be better, but still solid. 
Packers just all over the place. Uh, they just got the job done, even though the Patriots defense is really good, just like the Vikings defense was really good. <laughs> but they were clutch when they needed to be, and they were able to run the clock out after that catch. They just had to kneel the ball down. The Patriots couldn't stop the clock. And that was all she wrote, and the Patriots lose. But the one good thing about this, though, should these teams meet in the Super Bowl, how often does it happen where a team barely gets gets barely gets beat... And then the uh, that team comes back and, and wins the Super Bowl next uh, the next time they play when they do play in the Super Bowl. So if this is a Super Bowl preview, this could favor the New England Patriots. It just might because remember what happened years ago when the uh, New York Giants <laughs> way back in 2007 were playing against the undefeated New England Patriots and they played out of their minds and lost by three points. It was a 38-35, something like that. Might have even been 41-38. It was unbelievable. And I'm like, the Giants scored that many points? They played that well? A mediocre team that finished was a 10-6 and on the season? And that team went on and beat the New England Patriots because they, you know, they saw what they, <laughs> they saw something they liked and they took, took advantage of it in the Super Bowl and they beat the Patriots. So maybe the Patriots can turn around and beat the Packers in the Super Bowl if that's the matchup. I hope so. I would really like to see the Patriots win their fourth Super Bowl and the Packers not win their fifth. God almighty. Hell freaking no. Go Patriots in that situation. Would love it. Go ahead and avenge the 96 Super Bowl in that case, even though I like this Patriots team a million times more than the Drew Bledsoe-led Patriots. Yeah. But with that said, this was a really, really, really good football game that unfortunately didn't quite go the way a lot of us would have liked. Now Green Bay again mentioning with the Arizona Cardinals and such with a 9-3 and record. Now the rulers of the NFL in terms of in terms of record and obviously a tiebreaker over the Patriots at this point in time. Cincinnati Bengals are 8-3 and right now. 8-3-1 and because of their tie with the Carolina Panthers. The Raiders actually won a game last week, if you can believe that. They're 1-11 on the year, but they're going to get the number one pick. Philadelphia is 9-3, so they're tied with Green Bay for that, uh, for the NFC lead right there. Gotta like that. We'll see where things go. But, um, yeah, only a couple of teams with 9-3 records. Arizona's the other one. Seattle, though, making a move forward. Beating the San Francisco 49ers. This is a, this is a bonus. But, yeah, beating the 49ers 19-3 and... 19-3 in San Francisco. That's pretty much the nail in the coffin for the 49ers in my Super Bowl prediction. I'm not happy about that. I hate the Seahawks, and I really like the 49ers and the Patriots, as you probably could guess by now after a million shows, after talking about it over like almost almost 200 Purple Mafia shows now, with this being the 184th episode, if you can believe that. Um, but Seattle's now 8-4, and four, and they're in the playoff picture again. Unfortunately, watch out, and we saw what they did to Arizona last week. So, here come the Seahawks. Oh, goody. And down go the 49ers as well. That sucks. So, not happy with the way things headed in that case. Mm-mm-mm. So, it's going to be interesting to see to see how this all turns out. You got a log jam with 9-3 and three records all over the league right now. <laughs> and 8-3 and three Denver. They're playing right now against the Chiefs and leading 14 nothing. So, Hello, na- hello, nine and three with uh, New England right there. Oh, goody! So the log jam will continue to uh, pile up. <laughs> we need the Beaver to come and 
eat up some of that. But then again, that's what they do. They make the dam bigger. So, yeah, that was a pretty poor analogy. I apologize for that. All right, speaking of poor analogy, the New York Jets are, are a poor analogy in the, <laughs> and of themselves. They play the Miami Dolphins tomorrow night, Monday night, December the 1st. November's over already, and we got one month left of 2014. Insane. Um, and before I get to that, I better mention, <laughs> being it is basically winter because it's December, I still haven't done a winter tall grass ad, so you heard the autumn one again. And you know what? There is zombie monkeys everywhere. In, in every store that carries tall grass, which most liquor stores in the Twin Cities do carry, Zombie Monkey is a wonderful beer, as mentioned, but also the Buffalo Sweat Vanilla Bean Edition is the winter beer, and oh my god, is it good. <laughs> I had my first one last week. Fresh as can be, only like a month, only like a, excuse me, only like a week old. It was, packa- it was packaged just a week before. Unbelievable. It's so good, and you feel so warm after drinking it and while drinking it. It's got a really nice vanilla taste, so yeah, you'll be hearing the ad about that later on. So let's get on with these New York Jets. <laughs> yeah. Who are they again? Yeah, they're coming to TCF Bank Stadium. They're 2-8, and eight, and they're probably going to be 2-9 and nine after the Dolphins beat them tomorrow. What more is there to say about that team? Not a whole lot. Uh, I don't think they're going to beat the Vikings. <laughs> Carolina looked like crap today. Do you think the Jets are going to look good in, in uh, TCF Bank Stadium? It, it might be warmer next week. In fact, you know, this week was only like single digits. And a windshield that was actually minus. <laughs> so that was something else, to say the least. New York Jets, where do you go? I mean, you got Geno Smith with a seven touchdowns, ten interceptions all over the place. Not really becoming much of anything in this league right now. Chris Ivory is actually a decent player, though. So there's a positive for the, <laughs> the Jets in, in, the, in the running game. Eric Decker is a New York Jet. So you think with an improved receiver, you think maybe the Jets would uh, develop some type of passing game, but not so much. 500 yards in the year and four touchdowns, though, so he's doing his part overall for the Jets. But good lord, man, what a tough, <laughs> what a tough go it has been for them, though. It, uh, boy, not a good team at all. I think Rex Ryan is on his way out, to be quite honest, and. How could you? How could you guess otherwise? Ah, oh, man, they have Chris Johnson too. I mean, it's kind of funny. They have like they have a decent running game in New York. That's the one thing they have going for them. Chris Johnson is a New York Jet. Four hundred yards on the season and a touchdown. Ah, you might as well just go with Ivory. <laughs> if anything, he's outplaying Calvin Johnson or Calvin Johnson, Chris Johnson, and he's cons- uh, significantly younger as well. Not really much to say about this team, to be quite honest. I mean, nobody's really standing out at all for the for the Jets. They don't have much of an offense. They don't have much of a a defense. It's pretty rough. Uh, they the yards given up there, they're good in that. In net yards given up, seventh in the league, three hundred and twenty-four. Pass defense is in the middle at twelfth, but their rush defense incredible. So that'll definitely be something the Vikings will have going against them with a probably a pretty limited running game unless Jarek McKinnon is back. So we'll see. Maybe the Vikings will try to attack that rush defense. I don't know. But hopefully Teddy Bridgewater could uh, exploit the mediocre pass defense the Jets have at this point in time. Offensively, though, they've only, they're have only they averaging only 16 points a game, which is 30th in the league. 
Their uh, overall yardage, 29th in the league. Their pass offense, the bottom. 32nd in football, 173 yards per game. But their rush offense, like I was talking about earlier, it's 4th in the league. So, those are the keys right there. Basically, the running game is the key going into this football game. The Vikings need to... (laughs) It's really what it's all about. The Jets are good at running the football and stopping the run. So, those are big keys coming into this one. Hopefully, they can stop this... uh, duo of running backs in New York and well, we need Teddy Bridgewater to continue to be as efficient as he was. That's the hope because I got to think that our running game is going to struggle against the Jets. That's their, that's the heart of their defense and suffice to say if the Vikings running game does well against this you know, in pretty damn good top 5 run defense, the Vikings will definitely win the game. I still do think the Vikings do win the game. I think Teddy Bridgewater has a Solid game. Uh, if he can continue to be efficient like he was today, continue to be motivated to say, "Hey, I'm not a, I'm not a backup. I'm not a good backup. I'm a good starter. Maybe someday a great starter." And you're going to hear from Brent Jacobson's call very shortly about that. His thoughts on uh, Teddy Bridgewater's future in this league. But that's probably the pretty much the key of this game. Hopefully, force a turnover from Geno Smith. <laughs> Get that pass rush on him. <laughs> without a doubt. Hope hope the best to stop the running game. I mean, they're not elite, but they're pretty good, their they're running game. Geno Smith, though, not nothing special. Even though he actually outplayed Michael Vick because he had to come in to replace him against the Buffalo Bills a couple of weeks ago. The Jets are actually 2-9. and nine. I said 2-8, and eight, but they're 2-9. and nine. They're going to be 2-10 and ten probably after tomorrow. Uh, the Bills beat the Jets in their last game 38 to three. 38 to three. So the Jets, nothing really positive about them in any way. They really suck right now. <laughs> Geno Smith actually fairly efficient, but in garbage time. 10 of 12, 89 yards. Um, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, yeah, I mean, ultimately the Jets will probably start Geno Smith. I got to think you're better off just going with him ultimately than Michael Vick. I mean, only 7 of 19 for 76 yards and an interception against Buffalo. Like, and yes, Buffalo's defense is great in every way, in shape and form. And you look at the stats for the game with the New York Jets. They did absolutely nothing. Yes, their offense sucks, but Buffalo's defense is good. It's kind of all the above. And they continue to try not to cough to death. I've been struggling with that again. Not that I'm sick, I just keep coughing. So, apologize for that. Um, the Jets... What, what more is there to say? They really suck. They're a mess. Rex Ryan is done. And the Vikings are going to beat the Jets. Why drag this out any longer? I think the Vikings have a nice game. I think the Jets come into TCF Bank Stadium, whether it's cold or semi-mild out there, like it's a balmy 35 degrees, <laughs> as we like to say, which would probably be actually a normal temperature at this point uh, of the season, now that we're uh, in a 30, 30-year cold spell, according to some. Uh-huh. <laughs> that may end the uh, argument in certain... Yeah. <laughs> but a certain other topic that we'll leave that alone for now. <laughs> but, um... The Jets are... Yeah, they're not going to do anything against the Vikings. Their their offense is so weak. The Vikings' defense is playing really well. If the Vikings lose to the Jets, that will be cause for extreme concern for a lot of us. It'll be like, okay, I thought this defense was better. Why are the Jets running on us? That was That's what would be the big problem if the Jets somehow are able to run all over the Vikings next week. Or if, say, Teddy Bridgewater starts throwing interceptions or something. 
against this mediocre Jets defense. That would be quite frustrating in, in every way. So before I run this into the ground anymore, let's just get a score and move on to the third segment and hear from Brent Jacobson. I think the Minnesota Vikings score, I think they score a decent number in this one. I'm going to go 28 to 28 to 10. I think the Vikings have a really nice game. Four touchdowns overall, maybe a defensive touchdown, maybe a special teams touchdown. But you're going to probably see Matt Asiata score on the goal line. It'll be something like that. Maybe Bridgewater runs it in. And you'll see two touchdown passes from Teddy Bridgewater. And hopefully he continues to protect the football as well. He's done a very good job of that of late. You didn't really get any moments that you were real scared watching him out there to screw up today. He was pretty damn good against this hap- uh, a hapless Carolina team that looks like they've given up on the year. The Jets have absolutely given up on the season. 28-10, to Minnesota rolls over the New York Jets to a 6-7 and record. Eh, that's not too bad. And then the Jets dropped tw- uh, to 2-11, and and they probably look to draft a quarterback again in the first round of the of the draft, or God knows what they're going to do. But that's it, 28-10. to That's it. We will move on to segment number three. The next voice you will hear is Brent Jacobson, and then it's on to Facebook and Twitter. shop on Amazon? Did you know that you can support this podcast just by doing your normal shopping on Amazon? It's really easy to do. Just go to thesportstuff.com and click on one of the many Amazon pictures. Do your normal shopping and Amazon sees that we referred you and they give us a percentage. We'd like to thank you in advance for supporting thesportstuff.com and please use our Amazon link. Now enjoy the rest of the show. Contact us and support Purple Mafia by liking us on Facebook and following us on Twitter. Don't forget to call into our phone lines at 209-736-7877. That's 209-736-7877. Yeah, this message is for Joey and Purple Mafia. This is the frozen Brent Jacobson calling. I work... I do that for humor sake since I work security at the games, so it's hard, sometimes it's work, harder for me to call in in time. Hopefully this is in time for, gets in in time for the post-Carolina Panthers game show. So, Joey, my take on the game. We have a defense. Teddy is showing that he's going to be the real deal, I believe. Yeah, he's going to have growing pains, as we saw previous weeks, but Dude, the kid's going to be something special. Honestly, I think in the future, near future, two, three, four years down the road, he will be hoisting the Lombardi's trophy for us. So that's that take. Second half of my take is this. Is honestly, hey, we win one more game. We probably will next week against the Jets. They stink. They've given up on Rex Ryan. We bettered last season. I'm happy with that. It, of the remaining games, I'd say the Jets is the most winnable. The Bears here at the end of the season might be 
horrible. We'll see. Depends on what they're playing for. Dolphins and Lions will be tough. We'll see. Anyways, Skull Vikings, keep up the good work, Joey, and catch y'all later. Hey, I thank you very much for that call, Brent. Really appreciate what you had to say there. And I really like hearing someone else's voice on this show. The calls really do bring a dynamic to this show, brings more life to it, brings more layers to the show. So really nice to hear him once again. It's been a it's been a few weeks since I even had a call, and Brent has been definitely been doing most of the calls this year. So thank you so much. The call a teeny tiny bit longer than I would like. I'd like it closer to a minute if possible. I'm not going to get mad if it's a little bit over a minute. But when it's almost two, it's just I'm just saying I don't want to encourage callers to make it two minutes. This was good though. I mean I'm not mad about anything. It didn't drag or anything. But just saying, I don't. I definitely don't want to get back into the three minute range. That's when it starts to drag. It's no offense to anybody. It's just you got to get kind of on with the show. So and plus it's hard for me to comment on everything you say when it's a six minute call, three minute call per se. And then it just kind of basically I would have to just leave it as is at that point. But with this one, yeah, I totally understand how cold it was. Holy cow. Yeah, you had to work <laughs> had to work in that freezing cold. Thank God for the heating coils, at least for the players, not for the, uh, well, not for the fans and such. It was as cold as it was anyway. So <laughs> at least the players didn't get a concussion this time around like Brett Favre did years ago in TCF Bank Stadium. But, um... Ultimately, though, yeah, talking about Teddy Bridgewater, he's going to be a stud in the future. I think that possibility is developing in a, in a nice way for him. Really liked what he really liked his efficiency today. Just very, very good. And of course, the more he learns his limitations, and the more he exploits his strengths, and the more he makes the adjustments he needs to make, he's going to be a great quarterback. I, I do agree with that. I'm not, you know, I'm not all in on Tim Hasselbeck, but I don't think his analysis was poor or anything. Just at the same time, there are ways around it. And I do think Teddy Bridgewater is going to be one of the players that does work around his physical limitations to become a good player. I I think he's enough of a gamer that he will do that. But ultimately, we're going to have to wait and see long term for that one. All right, on to the Facebook page. And I start it the way I always do because there's always comments about last week's show. When I post it up there, people always are like, hey, this this and that. You know, we like this about the show and such. It opens up with Mark Carlson saying, Mark Mark from Iowa, Mark Carlson saying, it's not even Monday yet. Thank you, Joey Awajan, for making my day better. You're welcome. Mark Carlson continuing to say, this was fun to listen to today, and thank you, Peldino Joey, for keeping us up to date, informed, and most of all, laying out the truth. <laughs> thank you for being honest on the players and the game. I agree with your take on CP84. He's a non-factor. Oh, he's a non-factor, all right. Yeah, but that was, <laughs> just, uh, what's the deal? Thank God for Jennings. He is clutch. And hey, congrats to Dave Hickey, Sebastian Balls, and Gerald String. Stars. And Joey, I love the way this episode ends. The last four, and a half, four to five minutes are so good. Already looking forward to next week's game and podcast. Skull, Mark from Iowa. Thank you very much, Mark. And I really enjoyed the last four or five minutes of that show. I mean, it seems like I always end real good, but I hope to keep the show the whole show, as good as possible. I hope to continue to do that. But yeah, I mean, sometimes, yeah, I mean, that does keep you interested, though. I tend to go into something at the end. I just get some kind of vibe. and It's different every show. So we'll see where things go from there. Gerald String saying, I thought you were a little harsh on Corey Cove a few weeks ago. 
that being Sledge, or formerly Sledge, now he's Corey Cove, back to his regular name on KFN. He says, I was a little harsh on Corey Cove a few weeks ago, and I normally listen to the Fan Line podcast, but I have to say now that I fully agree with you. It is getting harder and harder to listen to. He has no respect at all for anyone's opinion. I mean, if anyone's opinion doesn't match up with his, and he has very little character or tact with how he treats many of the callers. Mm-hmm. I do like Ben Lieber, but again, CC just <laughs> making it tougher to listen to as far as I'm concerned. You got the best Viking show out there, Joey. Keep up the awesome work. Yep. And before I get to Gerald, I got to finish up Jer- uh, Brent's call, too. I, I mean, I might want to comment a bit of what he said about uh, the upcoming season inside, or the upcoming games, the wrapping up the season. Yeah, the Jets do stink, and I, that's why I have the Vikings beating them by 18 points. I totally agree with that. And uh, I kind of see the Vikings finishing 7-9 and nine with the way it's shaping up. That's what it's looking like. My initial pick was 8-8, eight and eight, so unfortunately a game like a Buffalo game or something took that 8-8 eight, uh, eight away and made it 7-9. and nine. But Alright, so I wrapped that up. On to what Gerald had to say. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you very much. That's a star candidate comment right there. So Gerald's ring back in the star candidates again. <laughs> He's working himself into that Pearl Mafia Hall of Fame very quickly. He's working his way up there. And, uh, yeah, Corey Cove. Yeah, I'm not a fan at all. The guy, it's just, I turn it on. I end up stopping, I end up stopping the show within, like, 10, 15 minutes. And that show goes on for, like, two hours or so. What a condescending SOB. I cannot stand the guy. Yeah, Ben Ben Lieber, yeah, he's he's good. Corey Cove, he reminds me of just the... There is a... And I talk about this, too. It's like an assembly line. Some of the this millennial generation, when they get their, their radio jobs, they're all kind of the same, aren't they? Like Phil Mackey and Corey Cove, I swear to God, they were built on an assembly line, and they were built on the same assembly line. They're like the same person, like that came out of a test tube somewhere in a laboratory and say, oh, here we go, radio host 2014, radio host 2012, whatever it is, you know, millennial generation. Ugh. I mean, ugh. They, they're always, they always have this stuck-up attitude and they don't really bring that all that much to the show as far as I'm concerned. They're not, they're not really that funny. They're not uh, respectful to callers that disagree with their views. And they always seem to lean a certain political direction, and that's every single time, no matter who they are, what they are, where they were raised, how they were raised, they're all the same. It's getting on my nerves. All right, off from that, Gerald Spring saying, <laughs> well, maybe his immature arrogance, exactly, yep, is good for ratings, so who knows, but he seems to be getting worse. I feel bad that he is talking down to a lot of the callers, and the callers themselves don't really recognize he is trying to make a fool of them for his own personal gain. In other words, he sucks. I couldn't agree more. The guy's a flat jerk, and Phil Mackey's the same way. Like, if you're not just like him, you're basically an inferior human being and a, a moron, basically. Uh, Gerald Spring saying, if Corey Cove was my son, I would whoop his ass and teach him some manners. Yeah. He said, just be true to yourself and forget about the jerks that do whatever they think it takes for ratings. Yeah, I mean, if somehow people listen to a show for that reason, boy, something's wrong with you as far as I'm concerned. If that is, if that actually builds ratings, something's wrong with people. It says a lot about the generation, as far as I'm concerned. I went a bit long with that, but can you blame me? I mean, yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of a, it's kind of a tender spot for me per se when it comes to uh, 
the direction of Purple Mafia and how I view other players or other players, other broadcasters out there. I'm not real happy with the direction. Like I've been hinting at for the last like several months, I'm not real happy with the direction of uh, the local media and basically the media in general, like the national media, you could say too. They get rid of Jeff Dubé, who, yeah, is kind of a blowhard, but hes I thought he was really good. I like the knowledge he, he brings to the show and the energy. And I think he's more respectful to his callers. And they replace him with Phil Mackey. Really? Ugh, idiots. Okay, and yes, I mean that in full sincerity. I'm going to be condescending to those jerks because they're the condescending ones out there. All right, speaking of a condescending jerk, <laughs> Matt Khalil <laughs> knocking off a heckler. Head off his head last week. Maybe the heckler was being a, a, a the heckler was more was was being annoying per se, saying he'd rather have uh, Matt Khalil's brother and such on, on the team, and that where would Matt Khalil like to be traded? That's where Matt should have just kept walking ultimately. But yeah, I'm just going to leave that alone. Let's get to your comments instead of mine. Matthew Kyle out of Maine saying such a garbage human being. Robin Sullivan saying truth must have hurt. The players are going to receive fan criticism, like it or not. They need to accept it for what it is. All eyes are on them in the media and public now more than ever. Yep, because of Twitter. Now more than ever watching for negative behavior. Suck it up. Mm-hmm. Couldn't agree more. Dave Hickey saying here is a good reason for the overbearing commissioner to step in and suspend him because apparently the Viking coaches aren't going to do anything about his poor play on the field. Cut Khalil. He sucks. Now Big Fat Phil is out on the other side due to injury, which I hate to see. Yep, Phil Odholt out for the season as well, and Jamarcus Webb back on the Vikings. Congratulations to him, ultimately. But yeah, uh, Phil Odholt with the pectoral tear, a very painful injury in uh, with the chest muscles that connect to your uh, shoulders and, and such. Yeah, that hurts. Like your, Yeah, your chest muscles that you use when you're bench pressing and stuff. So there you go. Uh, I actually have a injured pectoral muscle per se, I believe from the lawn cleanups or possibly bench press a while ago. It's been, it's not a big thing, but it's irritating a little bit. Okay, on to Sebastian. He says, worst pick ever. Mark Carlson saying, no excuses. People are stupid. It must be hard. I am sure not to let it get the best of you. As a pro, you can't ever respond or be enticed into a confrontation. Take it out on the field. Mm-hmm. Patrick Grant saying, he's an ass. And should be shown the professionalism, and should have shown, excuse me, the professionalism to just keep on walking and ignore the goof who was heckling him. And the kid was talk, the kid was talking tough like he would have fought Khalil. Khalil's six foot seven and easily got to be over three hundred pounds. He'd have torn the guy apart. Robin Sullivan saying he probably should get reamed a new ass in the locker room, and then he couldn't handle. And then he couldn't, he probably got reamed a new ass in the locker room and then couldn't handle the fans' constructive criticism afterwards. He still needs to remain professional. Yankee saying, words do hurt, especially the truth. Ouch. Yep. Sometimes, sometimes without a doubt. And we move on. Fans responding to the fact that uh, Jarek McKinnon was out with injury. Robin Solomon simply saying, nice, shaking my head. Mark Charleston can't believe it. Matthew Kyle saying, they have nothing to lose starting Tate. If Asiata gets the start, that would be mildly upsetting. The kid is an incredible goal line runner, but other than that, he's subpar. I wouldn't mind seeing Banyard get the call too. 
And unfortunately, it was pretty much Asiata, Matt, Matthew Kyle. Yeah, unfortunately, it was Matt Asiata. And he looked okay. He represented. He represented. That basically means he had a decent game. He represented the position in an okay manner. But I would have liked to see a little more of Tate, though unfortunately, it was a small sample size. And it wasn't the best sample size, unfortunately. And Banyard only got two touches. Ouch. Dave Hickey saying this is uh, Tate's big shot. This is this is Tate's big shot. He wanted to be a number one back in Houston and Cleveland, so now the door is wide open. I hope he does a lot with his chance. I think McKinnon is going to be a big weapon for years to come. And if we could somehow pick up Gordon or Abdullah in this coming year's draft, we would be stacked for years. Adrian is a thing of the past, unfortunately, for the Vikings. I was so looking forward to AP opening the new stadium, but he screwed up. I wish the best for him and his family. Skull Vikings can't really disagree with anything there. I do think Adrian is a thing of the past, ladies and gentlemen. You won't be hearing his name too much on this show anymore. The local media just loves talking about him in the same topic over and over and over again because that's just how they roll. That's what they're going to do. Jarek McKinnon, man, it would be nice to see him play a full season. I bet yeah, he definitely eclipses the the, the 1,000-yard mark, maybe even to 12 to 1,300. That would be very awesome. We'll, we'll see about the draft. We'll get deeper into that later. Maybe next week I'll start talking about the draft more. I'm kind of being careful about that right now. I mean, I don't want to start talking about stuff that my knowledge is not too high right now. So, admittedly, I don't want to, yeah, I don't want to look stupid right now (laughs) too early. I've got to do my own personal research before I start commenting too much. Yep. Um, The in-game kind of is what it is, pretty much. Uh, Gerald String was saying, I didn't get to watch much today. It was 14-0 before I got my wings and buffalo sweat. There you go. There's a nice plug for Tallgrass. He says, then got to watch the second block punt for for a TD. Sweet. Teddy was making more baby steps today, starting to settle into the offense leadership role. Yep. Absolutely. So where are we headed here? Uh, I'm going to check and see if there's some more. Mark Carlson is wondering, where the hell is... <laughs> where is... Uh, where is CP, CP84? And I was like, he's officially an urban legend. And he definitely gets that quote-unquote award for this week. Um... Uh, one thing I was saying, how we finally heard, yeah, we finally heard Teddy, 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 after that second touchdown pass to Greg Jennings. Man, it seems like eternity since we last heard that. Fans, in the stands, some of you listening, because I know there's a lot of faces, a lot of names out there that I don't, you know, you're not on the Facebook page yet right now, but you do listen to the show and you probably go to the games Keep that Teddy, Teddy, Teddy chant going, going because, my, my goodness, he plays well when he hears that. <laughs> Why not? I mean, it might sound silly and such, but he plays well. He, he Anybody's going to play better when you know the crowd is on their side. You're, I mean, how many fan bases back their quarterback enough to make them play better? In fact, most of the time, all you get is boos or silence. Unless your quarterback is Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady, and they don't need any Teddy, Teddy, Teddy in this in this part of their career, but at like 21, 22 years old, Teddy Bridgewater could certainly use some more encouragement from the fans, and they gave it to him today, and he played unbelievable. So that's my take coming out of that. I know it's a little sentimental and a little silly, but it if it helps, it helps, and and, and it does. Trust me. Post game thoughts from those of you out there on Facebook. Only four to get to right now. 
Mark Carlson saying, still talking about the game with my family, feeling better about Teddy. Deeper throws have us all smiling. Yeah, extremely encouraging. Yep, and that's a star candidate, actually. Yeah, even though it's short, but even though it's short, it's very sweet. Robin Sullivan saying, looked much better all around. Like I said, Teddy is definitely improving, feeling good about the remainder of the season as long as we see the continuous teamwork and improvements that we saw today. Dave Vicky saying, thank God for the special teams today. We would have won without them, but they helped out a lot. And thanks to Adam Thielen's big effort, he needs to get more playing time as a receiver. The defense is looking very solid again if we can just keep building on both sides of the ball. And last week, Joey, I appreciate it. I keep up, I mean, I appreciate it. Keep up the good work, and I'll keep listening. Thank you so very much. And yep, Mark, uh, Dave Hickey was talking about uh, the Gold Star last week, and you're very welcome. And Dave Hickey is a star candidate of some sort this week. We'll see what happens. Tanae Brown out of New Zealand saying, missing the game, working. Sounds like it was a goodie, though. It'll, I'll be looking at the highlights soon, and I can't wait to hear what you've got to say, Joey. And it was, yep, a very encouraging game for this team. The defense was really good. Um, yeah, we'll we'll get to the awards in a little bit here with the players, but uh, about who I think was the best player today. Yep, but I kind of gave a hint early on in that first segment of who it is. <laughs> yep, I gave a nice indicator there. But, uh, yeah, to see Teddy Bridgewater continuing to develop. Very, very encouraging. Let's try to get to that Twitter account as soon as I can here. I mean, there there were so many aspects of this game that made you feel good. It's hard to really rag on anything negative right now, overall, even though there may be some things you'd like to. I, I just don't feel like it. A, a game like this is not really a time to rag on much, to be quite frank. Yeah, I was going back and forth with... <laughs> Certain uh, 49ers, uh, Viking fans who like the Niners and 49ers fans and Seahawks. Not related to this show, but just saying I hate the Seahawks and I, I like the 49ers and did not like how that game turned out. Dave Martin out of Northern Scotland saying, LOL, hey, we got a win and another stellar job from our D, as you say, baby steps. Yep. Yes, sir, without a doubt. Robin Sullivan saying, uh, Teddy Bridgewater looked a little frazzled and lost at times on the field, but definitely showing improvements for sure. As a good luck charm, I wore my Culpepper jersey today, Joey. Yeah, <laughs> very cool, Robin Sullivan. That wraps up the Twitter. A bit more brief today on the uh, social networks. I was a little bit away from the social networks today, trying kind of really more into the game, seeing what I needed to see and such. So... Because I was watching closely Teddy Bridgewater more than ever, even more than I normally do. Because <laughs> I, I, I watch him incredibly close. But after the Tim Hasselbeck comments, I like what I see out of Teddy Bridgewater, folks. I do like it. Um, there's a lot of gamesmanship to that young guy. Definitely a theme there. He is a Fran Tarkinen candidate, <laughs> and I think he's an honorable mention for it. But it's going to go to Cedric Griffin. Two sacks today. Uh, he ended up returning that punt for a touchdown. He's the MVP of the 2014 Vikings as of right now. If the season ended today, it's Cedric Griffin, and you'll probably be hearing his name in a few months when it's the State of the Vikings 2015. You'll most likely be hearing the name Cedric Griffin for that award. So, uh, Everson Griffin. I'm calling him Cedric Griffin. Everson Griffin. My God. (laughs) Everson Griffin. Get that name out of my head. Everson Griffin. Pardon me, everybody. (laughs) Everson Griffin. Everson Griffin. Everson Griffin. Oh, boy. 
It's like, edit it all out. No, it is what it is. And you know who I mean. Everson Griffin with his 11 sacks on the season. The Fran Tarkenton Award winner. I gotta give the Tavares Jackson... It's a very weak one. A very soft, gentle one. So it won't hurt too much. <laughs> Harrison Smith. Harry the Hitman will get... Yeah, Harry the Hitman is going to get the Tavares Jackson Award for that blown coverage this week. I have to give it to somebody, and that was the biggest play of the game for the Carolina Panthers. So unfortunately, Harry... It's yours for this week. It's very small. You could fit it. You could fit it very in a very small place. You can hide it under uh, somewhere on, under your desk somewhere in your house. Very tiny, so it's not too ugly. So let's get to the stars here before I wrap up this week's show. So many people this week deserve stars, but I got to keep it to three. And I'm going to try to eliminate the ties because I don't know if that cheapens the award or not in a lot of ways. But uh, we got to give it the way we can here. I'm going to give the bronze star to Dave Hickey, so he stays in the stars again this week. Silver star to Brent Jacobson. It was it was a very, very good call. Uh, I really like what he had to say, and it's like, it's also kind of like, welcome back, you know. Thank you, thank you for bringing that and taking the time to make a call and to uh, bring what you do to the show, Brent. It's very helpful. And if at some point, probably in the off-season, I'd like to have Brent Jacobson on with Sebastian for some of that off-season football talk and such. I know Brent loves the draft. I know Sebastian loves the draft. So there it is, possibly a roundtable show coming up there. Gold star, like I said, quickly becoming a Hall of Famer. Yeah, this is your third gold star, Gerald. Gerald String, gold star again. I was thinking about it, and it's like, you know, <laughs> it wasn't just the Corey Cove thing, but yeah, that kind of put it over the top in a lot of ways. I, I love that. But also, I mean, just lots of really good takes along the way. Dave Hickey, lots of really good takes. Robin Sullivan, more than an honorable mention for a bronze star. In fact, I might even put her as a tie with uh, Dave Hickey. But Dave Hickey's comment's so good. I mean, a, a, a guaranteed star this week for him. Uh, but Gerald, yeah, really moving, <laughs> really been a hell of a contributor to the show and really nice meeting him during the course of its 2014 season I love that's why I love this show so much I get to meet you guys and you know it's just electronically and all that but but you know what it's just so cool to know that you guys listen to this show every week you care enough about the show to continue to listen to it and to interact with me on the Facebook page and contribute to the show it just means so much and I want to thank you again very 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 much for that. And even uh, those of you out there that have given positive reviews for the show, thank you so very much. And those of you out there that have been thinking about doing it, please do. Please do give Purple Mafia a rating on iTunes. If it's three, four, or five stars, that'd be fantastic. Even three is, is okay, even though it doesn't necessarily help the rating that much. But honesty is honesty. Maybe it's not your favorite show in the history of the world. It doesn't have to be. But um, <laughs> four or five, thank you so very much. And uh, do continue to uh, tell your friends out there about the show. Encourage them maybe to uh, write a review as well. I could really use it. Uh, It only makes the quality of the show better. It brings more attraction to the show to a potential new listener. Because if there's there's like, uh, you know, if there's a ton of five-star ratings, it's like, wow, this show must be pretty good. And I know you guys are out there that love the show. So that only helps. So it only gives encouragement to somebody that maybe coming on for the first time around. I do want to give a shout-out, though, to wrap things up here, to Malcolm. 
Just just saying I, I miss you. You know, out in California. Ha, hasn't been commenting all that much. Un, understand if you're busy and all. Just saying, miss you. Hope to see you on here again. You know, really appreciate his contributions. And most of I mean, he's almost always a star candidate with the, some of the good things he says down there in California. Missed you, buddy. So, just letting you know. Matthew Kyle also, man, you know, in Maine. Always love what he has to say as well. Just, um, it's crazy how many people aren't from Minnesota and they end up being a lot nicer than the Minnesota nice. <laughs> and there are a lot of good people from Minnesota as well. Sebastian Balls, Brent Jacobson, way at the top of the list. Gerald Swing as well, that uh, deserve a lot of credit. But then again, Gerald, I'm not sure actually he's even in Minnesota right now. So, but, uh, yeah, it's hard to say because I believe he's a truck driver, so he's he's uh, his, his location's constantly changing, per se, at least week to week due to his job. But um, there you go. So, again, want to thank you all so very much to, for listening to the show. And keep telling your friends about it. And try to stay warm. And, uh, yeah, it's on to the Christmas season. Already, it's Christmas season again. <laughs> Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and all the above. But I prefer to say Merry Christmas but, um, yeah, I can say both. Maybe I'll say both. That's the, way, that's the way it's a little bit a little bit better, I guess, for those of you politically correct types out there. <laughs> Thanks again for listening, though. And I've said that 55,000 times. Do take care. Six and seven Vikings next week, without a doubt. Or so we'd like to believe. <laughs>